0: I'd like you to turn with me to the 12th chapter of Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Pastor George continues our Sermons from Selfies series and explains how a good, honest look at ourselves can be healthy, especially when it comes to understanding how broken we really are. Let's listen together. One of uh, my college friends who I kept contact with for many, many years, uh, came around with a new girlfriend. Her name was Barbara, and she was a trophy. Now, Judy and I were already married, but Chris did impress us with his ability to get a date with Barbara, who was a finalist in the Miss America contest, was actually Miss Arizona of that year, and, uh, we, we, just didn't think Chris had it in him, but lo and behold, they kept dating and they got married and uh, Judy and I, uh, befriended them. And we found out there was a whole lot more to Barbara than just her external beauty. Uh, at one of our get togethers, after we got to know each other, uh, pretty well, uh, she informed us of a, planned upcoming surgery that she was going to have. And she said it, and then she kind of changed the subject. Uh, we we kind of pushed her to find out what that was about. And she clearly was trying not to tell us. Uh, and of course, we imagined the worst. So we pushed harder. And she finally disclosed, with obvious embarrassment, that her surgery was going to be cosmetic. And we pushed a little harder, wondering what Miss Arizona would want to do to improve herself, and she said, it's my ears. Now, in retrospect, you know, we looked back and realized the hairstyle that Barbara wore, we never saw her ears, and she did that carefully because in her mind, her ears protruded, and it was the one thing she only, always saw about herself. She looked in the mirror, she didn't see the beauty that got her to be Miss Arizona. She saw the ears, the ears that disqualified her, the ears that drove her bananas, and she had to have that fixed, and she did. The more perfect a person is, or the more perfect they think others believe they are, the less likely they are to let us know anything negative about them. And if you're in a position, if you're a school teacher, uh, you have gotta be a model for kids. And you can't show them the dark side of who you are. You can't slip and let them catch you crying. No, because you're a teacher. Now with pastors, with pastors, yeah. Um, with pastors, it's kind of special because we're supposed to be models of, of togetherness, you know? And Judy and I just were struck with a, a suicide of a, a young pastor's wife in Southern California that's in the news. And it made us realize how many hurting pastors and families there are that we don't know about and that their congregations don't know about. Because, you know, you can't show that side of yourself. Our current sermon series, Sermons from Selfies, has brought us to a place where we have to talk about this. The selfie phenomenon that we're all part of today has upped the ante So it's not just a matter of how people see you or the words you project that tell them who you are, but we send out selfies to show people what we want them to know about ourselves. And it's more possible than ever to put out a false picture of yourself that exaggerates the positive and hides the negative. And this is a slide into hypocrisy. It's, it's usually unintentional. We're just trying to do what we think is right. But we gotta hide those parts of us which are uh, not very convenient. More important, when, when we do this and when we don't show the dark side of ourselves, we're not being fair to our friends. Because we make our friends feel worse about themselves in comparison to the Miss America that we project as ourselves. And others feel intimidated by that and so they can't tell us their dark side. And they put up selfies and images of themselves that are even more positive. And they're more of a lie and they're not able to tell us When they're really hurting, they're too busy hiding their ears as they pretend to be more together than they are because they feel we're more together than we really are. Do you see how this is a slippery slope? A simple question from a friend, like how's it going? Could open up the door for honesty instead of saying this, you could say this. You may be tempted to show a false bravado, which is kind of insulting to your friends. It shows that they can see the tears, but the false front shows that you're not putting trust in them. It's okay, even healthy, to let your friend know when you're seething with anger. Don't want to meet that girl right now. But even older people, not just young, feel that way sometimes. And your friend ought to know that side of you. You know, don't always have to come off upbeat. If you're depressed, let it show. We're all depressed sometimes. I'm depressed because we don't have the right picture up. There. Now I feel much more upbeat. There are, you know, she's, she's being honest. That's the way she feels. And there are times when you don't feel like you're fitting in. Well, show it in a selfie. Look, they're having fun, but I'm on the outside. And even when you feel like you threw a party and no one showed up, you ever have that feeling? Be honest about it with those who care about you because that encourages them to be honest about themselves. If you're going through sickness, now we have some friends, we know they're sick and they're not talking about it. If you're going through sickness, share the experience so that they can encourage you, so they can walk with you. Maybe uh, you need to confess to some close friend I've got stitches where my abs used to be. I'm going to wait for that one. <laughs> or, or maybe you're filled with anxiety about everything and you're having trouble trusting God. Yeah. Let people know about it. People who care. Maybe even some people who don't care that much. Let them know how anxious you are And sometimes even an honest vacation selfie would be entitled, even a change of scenery doesn't help right now. Or maybe you can identify, you can't identify what's going on, but you just feel like you're falling apart. It's okay to say that. In fact, it's important to say that to some trusted friends. Don't lie with selfies, pretending that you're okay when the truth is you're feeling like a loser. Even if you can't make a proper L because of the arthritis in your fingers. (laughs) Hopefully, you have friends who will accept you just the way you are. And as simple as that is, is really hard because we want to look our best. We want to show our best. And the line between honesty and dishonesty is not an easy one. Today, I want to look at the Apostle Paul, and I want to look at some of his selfies. Yeah, the Apostle Paul <laughs> took selfies. We have, uh, we have evidence of this. Uh, This picture came down uh, 2,000 years uh, from the time of Paul. Now, remember, Paul was brought up in Orthodox Judaism, and he was rigorous in his study of the law and his application of it in his own life. That's who he was, self-disciplined. So in that environment, making a misstep is very taboo. It leads to personal guilt, and it leads to people kind of drawing back a little bit. So it was not natural of Paul to reveal the dark side. In fact, here's an example of where he posted a selfie of his pedigree. It's found in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read to you. Even though, beginning with verse 4. Even though I, too, have reason to be confident, for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Now he's going to give us his spiritual pedigree. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Well, that's what you're supposed to be if you're in a solid Jewish family. A member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, he knew what his ancient tribe was. A Hebrew born of Hebrews, not one of those secularized Jews who assimilated into culture. My people were, isolated, were separated and proud of their Judaism, and they uh, were a Hebrew, and he is a Hebrew of the Hebrews. By law, I was a Pharisee. Now, you know from the interaction with Jesus that Pharisees were really, really strict, and part of their strictness was to impose it on others. And that was Paul's heritage. And on top of that, in verse 6, it says, as to zeal, I'll show you how zealous I was, I persecuted the church. Now, that sounds like a bad thing. But in the eyes of first century Orthodox Jews, that was a good thing. Because the church were misleading people. And as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Well, there's a guy, I mean, I'm intimidated. There's a guy... He invites me to come to his church, but there's no way I'm going to be as good as him. I mean, the the bar is too high. And on on top of that heritage, Paul was a leader. I, I, I don't think it's possible for us to imagine the position he was in. There was no established church. There were a group of people. And Paul was not even one of the 12 apostles who Jesus passed the message on to. He was someone who later became an apostle. He was not an eyewitness. He had never met Jesus. And here he is as a leader, and in fact, in many parts of the world, the key leader of the church. And as a leader, he had to be perfect, right? Well, if a modern teacher or a modern pastor or whatever you are in a leadership position, if we're expected to be perfect, what about the apostle Paul? He was, he was establishing the way for all those people around him and for us who 2,000 years are instructed by the words that he wrote. So Paul could have ended there. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews, I follow the law, I'm a Pharisee and that's who I am so listen to me. But Paul knew there were other sides to who he was. And I am amazed, in fact, in preparation for this sermon, I, I was surprised to find how many negative things Paul says about himself. And in our day, these would be like selfies. But he's putting them in a letter that was going to churches from their leader. He didn't know that 2,000 years later we'd be reading them as scripture but he, he was willing, in fact, more than willing, he seemed to be anxious to talk about the negative selfies, show them to people. Let me give you a few. We're gonna zoom through a number of, of items from his letters and notice the way in which he exposes his dark side, his weak side his fumbling side. First Corinthians 15, nine. I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. But Paul's sense of being, as he says in another place, an apostle born out of due time. That sense made him run to catch up. And, and there's a sense in which Paul is saying, I'm, I'm never going to feel good enough to be an apostle. 2 Corinthians 2, 4. I wrote, this is his second letter to this church, and it comes out of, difficult circumstances, but I wrote to you out of much distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. Apostle Paul should be saying, I wrote to you out of apostolic authority with the righteousness of God behind me. That's not what he says. I wrote to you out of much distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I have for you. Ephesians 3.8. Not only the least of all apostles, but listen, I am the least of all the saints. But this grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the good news. 1 Timothy 1.15. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost but Paul, your sins are forgiven. You're righteous before God. No, I'm reminding myself and you that I am the worst sinner around. Okay, that's my leader that I'm supposed to follow. In Romans nine, verse one, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now, people who are confident of where they stand, they don't talk like that. I mean, he he should be talking with assurance and authority, but here he's talking from great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Well, now remember, this is a man. This is a man's man, and men don't talk about having anguish in their heart, right, men? Women talk about that stuff. We don't have those feelings. Paul, listen, his last speech in Acts 20, just before he went to be a prisoner in Rome, I'm going to read this to you, parts of it, in verse eight, verse 18, Acts 20. You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time, from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. Skip down to verse 22. Now as a captive of the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Where's the assurance? Where's the bravado? Where's the confidence of the leader? No, he's got doubts. He's got doubts and he's honest about it. Then verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city, that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. Wow, this is the inspiring leader. He's going in chains, and he's not saying, when I get there, I'm going to throw off these chains, and I'm going to pronounce the, the, the uh, emperor to be wrong, and we're going to have the victory. No, he says, imprisonment, persecutions are coming. Verse 31, therefore, be alert, Remembering that for three years, I did not cease, night or day, to warn everyone with tears. Now, to me, you know, a leader who is the prime leader of the Christian church, if he, if he doesn't have the confidence to pray and believe that God has heard him, instead he has to pray all night long and cry while he's praying. Wow. Wow the apostle paul revealed that to us he was open about all of that and then in uh, romans chapter 7 there's a torturous passage which he talks about the struggle that he has trying to affirm the spiritual side of himself with the fleshly side of himself in verse chapter 7 verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual but i am of the flesh Sold under, into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Does that describe you sometimes? But you don't t- talk about it, do you? You don't put it up on a selfie, do you? The Apostle Paul did. I, and then in verse 17, verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. This is the great Apostle Paul, verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. You have those moments? I did it again. I know better. I know it's wrong. I can't tell my friends about this. They're going through the same thing, you know. They'd be encouraged to know that you have that experience. Down in verse uh, 23, I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Whoa. I know you women have never said that, but men sometimes do. And, And then he says without any explanation, verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whoa. (laughs) How can he be thankful when he has those negative experiences? Well, that's what he's writing about in this this book of Romans, and he's explaining it. But unless you know this dark side of who he is and what his experience is, you can't appreciate the drama, and you can't figure out how to apply it to your life. So the final selfie I want to show you from the Apostle Paul is founded. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It's necessary to boast. This is a kind of silly start. I'm going to boast. Nothing to be gained by it. So he's he's playing a little mind game with us. He says he's going to boast, but when we find out what his boasting is like, we find a lot of it is uh, kind of downing himself. It's necessary to boast. Nothing's to be gained by it, but I'll go on to visions and revelations in the Lord. And then he talks about a revelation he had caught up into paradise. Then we skip down to verse uh, seven, even considering the exceptional powers of the resurrection. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated. Sometimes you feel a little too good about yourselves. And then he says, to keep me from being too elated, A thorn was given me in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For ever I am weak, then I am strong. Now we really got to look at this. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? You don't know how many books have been written about this. And we know as much as before they were written. I'll tell you what some of the ideas are about Paul's thorn in the flesh. Some people think it was physical. And there's, there's evidence from some scripture verses. For instance, uh, there's a belief that he had an eye problem. And in one of his books, he said, you see how large are the letters I write with? And people read into that that he had visual problems. And so he had to write large to read his own writing. Well, that's one theory, that his thorn in the flesh was an eye problem that he asked the Lord to take away three times, but he never got relieved from it. And then there's a place where Paul talks about, in comparison to other of the gospel that he wasn't very eloquent and he says my speech is hesitant. And So some people thought he was a stutterer and that the thorn in the flesh was stuttering and, and just when he got excited and was trying to make the most important point, he c- couldn't. And that was the thorn in the flesh. And some people have also seen physical evidence of things like malaria, migraine headaches, epilepsy, I don't know, what problem do you have? Okay. <laughs> so Paul had a problem that wouldn't go away. And so a lot of people think of this as a, a physical problem. But there are other scholars who read this say, no, his thorn in the flesh was a person. He wrote in one place about Alexander the coppersmith who always was out to get him. And there may be him or maybe somebody else that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. and maybe Maybe you have some thorn in the flesh person in your life. and Just my making you think of it makes you a little angry and upset. Well, uh, that's a possibility. Some people say because it says it was a messenger of Satan, that it was a spiritual being, a demon that kept attacking Paul. And this messenger of Satan would come at him, the Lord would not relieve Paul of that, which is another possibility though doesn't sound likely to me. But whatever it is, this was a real battle for Paul. This really bothered him. If he specifically came, not just, oh, Lord, make it go away, but he remembers three times when he specifically asked, probably in the presence of other believers, that the Lord would remove this from him. But he didn't. He didn't. How about you? Anything like that? I'll tell you what came to my mind. I'm not gonna tell you my thorn in the flesh. Phrase came to my mind. Is that what's bothering you, Bunky? See, nobody knows that. Clayton knows that. Clayton, is, he's almost as old as I am. But there was a guy, a comedian back in the 50s, and actually he was doing it long before that. His name was uh, Eddie Lawrence. Went under the name of the old professor. And he'd say, "Uh, "You know, this is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. And is that what's bothering you, Bunky?" And then he had a simplistic answer for it. Huh? Never give up that ship. Never give up that ship, right? So you go. You can find him on YouTube this afternoon, because I did. (laughs) Is that what's bothering you, Bunky? What's bothering you? You got protruding ears, Barbara? You got a thorn in the flesh, Paul? Do you have something in your mind? I want to give you Paul's Paul's, uh, recipe for dealing with this, okay? First of all, if you can identify your thorn in the flesh, that's a good thing. You identify it because some of us don't identify it because we don't want to think about it and we think around it and we don't recognize what it is that really bothers us about ourselves that we're not even able to share with our closest friends. So identify the thorn in the flesh. You say, well, there's 37 of them. Okay, maybe, but that may be a way of not focusing on the real thorn, on the real thing that's bothering you. Insecurity with people. Particular people, what is a thorn in your flesh? Identify it and then uh, be honest about it. And 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 this is honesty is not just beating yourself and and saying, "Oh, I'm awful, I'm awful," as Paul did when he said, "Wretched man that I am," but then he quickly recovered. He put it in context. So honesty is not only seeing the thorn in the flesh, but it's also seeing the roses that are blooming in your life. So honesty is, is whole person honesty. So you put the thorn in the flesh in, in the context of your life. Be realistic about it. Because if you're all thorn, you're not gonna be a friend to anybody. The third thing is, share it. Now, when I put this down, I immediately kind of corrected it with don't hide it and the reason I did that was because there's some people who all they do is share about their thorn in the flesh and they get old pretty fast and you get to almost you could tell their story before they tell it to you so I don't want to be that kind of person but I do want to share honestly about the weaknesses I feel the 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 times when I'm worn out and I just don't have the strength for something else. I want to share that with key people, not with everybody, with people that are trusted friends. Otherwise, they're not going to be honest with me and we need each other. And then the the fourth thing that occurred to me from Paul's uh, words is to uh, see it through God's eyes. And isn't that what he was doing when he finally heard the word of the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. For Paul, not to have these weaknesses would be to limit God's power. If Paul was the perfect person that he laid out in that early text, If he was the perfect leader, then he wouldn't be able to share God's grace. He'd just be able to share perfect Paul. So remember that next time I make an awful mistake. I'm just showing you how powerful God is, right? No. But it is so refreshing to know that even our weaknesses can be made strengths by God's grace. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So I, I don't, the honest truth about Barbara is we never saw her ears until after. Um, but she did confess that she was bothered by them, but I don't know how bad they were. Probably if I looked at her ears, I'd say, definitely within a range of normal you're still a miss arizona but we never saw them next time we were with them she had bandages on her ear so we know she had it done she discovered a lot of other imperfections in her life afterwards which became more important but she couldn't help but focus on those ears and Paul had a fixation with his thorn. And we can get stuck on the thing that's sticking us. We can get hung up on it. And that's why it's good to share our thorns in the flesh. So that others can reassure us and help us to see them see them in context and help us claim the grace of God. So let your selfies be honest Show people who you want to be, but also show them the trouble you're having getting there. And let's embrace the fact that we're all on a journey together under the grace of God. Father, we pray that you will help us to take these messages to heart, to find out what it means in our individual lives, and to trust you for the growth that we need to take right now and to blossom more as agents of your glory. This is our desire, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at AltaBapPrayer.com. At AOL.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.